Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, this is another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. It is episode 45. Got Dustin on the line, not Dodger Dustin. Well, we're not talking about the Dodgers. You're just going to be regular Dustin with no Dodger talk. Does that make sense? That seems fair. Yeah. Uh, I got to make sure I'm hitting record because you'd be surprised. I listen to a decent amount of podcasts and I'd say like every third one, the guys were like, yeah, I forgot to turn my mic on for this segment. So be prepared for that. <laughs> or like the first I half of this interview. I, I probably noticed that or like them saying, <laughs> or them having to use, they forgot to press record. So they have to use, yeah, the phone audio and it's never or the computer's speaker it's never as good you can always tell um i've always wondered why the other guy on the line who is using a good mic and can hear the the host why doesn't he say like hey your mic's not as good today you want to check that (laughs) before we finish the whole thing because you can you can hear my mic it doesn't sound like a shitty computer mic does it no but i guess it's not like it's not the best mic in the world, but it's not a it's yeah. not your standard computer mic. You can tell the difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, just, I'm just surprised no one brings it up. It is, there probably is a fair amount of times where somebody does catch it. <laughs> somebody not probably enough, does it all the time. Not enough for me. Anyway, I, I, would, I would want you to tell me if the mic sounded terrible. I will. Okay. Good. We just went through that. <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin is filling in this week. Last week I teased Dustin uh, with this second version of our movie draft that we're going to do. And we ran out of time because I didn't want to have another hour and a half podcast with Dustin. So we got pushed this week. I figured we can give you a chance for a little baseball talk since you're actually a, a huge baseball guy. And even though you're a Dodger person, um, we can get your thoughts on a couple of things around baseball because we've had weight on and we have guests lined up uh, in the future, but it's a good opportunity for Dustin to get in here. Are you excited more for the movie draft or to getting into the MLB union versus owners hot take bonanza that's taken over the internet. I mean, I probably there's like, it, it'll be more talking about the MLB issue will be more cathartic because it's just, there's a lot to say. <laughs> uh, and, but then the, I'm definitely more excited for the movie thing. The MLB thing is just mind numbing. <laughs> so we'll talk about what the movie thing is in a second. Uh, so you're more excited about the movie draft. Are you, what are you more upset about? the chance of not having a baseball season or MLB network flaunting in your face, 64 straight hours of Derek Jeter propaganda covering his 13 greatest games. Definitely not the latter. Cause I can choose <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> Is anyone outside of the Bronx going to watch that? No, I'd, I'd watch if There's like a final episode about, of how he's done with the Marlins so far. I'd watch that. How he, he bought the, he, he quote unquote bought the team. The face of uh, buying. And, then <laughs> and he pays himself uh, five million dollars, and he'll make back all the money he invested in just a few short years. That's, I mean, talk about a that isn't that like the definition of a racket? <laughs> I mean, the Marlins. You want to go racket and Marlins? There's been some. There's been some stuff. <laughs> True, they're one of the best examples of a sports team that fits the racket mold. Yeah, they. Tr- they're yeah, they're truly like predatory <laughs> with the city. <laughs> Um, so on today's show, we're going to do a quick recap, recap of, nope, that's the wrong today's show. Let me find out what happened. Why did I leave this in? 
I was, I was not supposed to be left in here. Uh, oh, that's why I left it in. Um, hold on a second. All right. So on today's show, we're doing the movie draft. If you if you weren't listening last week and um, or you just skipped it, the movie draft is we're we're drafting movies um, which are comedies that could be reworked theoretically into the best horror slash thriller movies. So there's some creative leeway here, but the idea was to not change the story at all, or maybe just tiny little tweaks. You can't change too much of the story and change, but the, the goal is to just to change the viewer's perception through, through, uh, so maybe you're, you're viewing the movie through a different main character or you're changing the music, a uh, combination of both, removing some filler jokes, uh, family guy style. So maybe Dustin, you could explain it better. You're the film guy here. What, what, what's the goal of this draft? I mean, I feel like the goal is to show how many comedies just like would be terrifying from another character's perspective. Uh, like, like uh, the I mean, it's just kind of first thing. It's like a fun exercise just in kind of storytelling because you can just see how one story can be so different depending on the tone you choose and the character you choose to tell it through and all that type of thing. That's that type of stuff. But some of them, it just kind of lays. It kind of gives you more of a sense of just like how not okay these like movies would be as a real life story. Speaking of not okay, to jump in here real quick, I'm watching. I I I'd say I, I rewatch movies a lot more than the average person. Like I I will just rewatch <laughs> stuff that I like. So today I'm watching Top Gun, and it Sorry. has to be one of the most. Do you know what the scene I'm t- going to be talking about here? The the most uh, awkward, uncomfortable, um, inappropriate scene of it doesn't hold up well at all is Tom Cruise following that woman into the bathroom at the bar. So he hits on her, he gets rejected, she walks away, goes to the bathroom, and he follows her in there to talk about why she is not hooking up with him. It's cringeworthy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I remember it. There's so many terrible moments. Oh my god. Like <laughs> with 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 uh just like the creepy fucking things guys do. Well, that's number one. That's like that if we were doing a draft of creepy things guys do in movies that you couldn't do today. I think that'd be a candidate for number one, following a woman into a bathroom. Wedding Crashers could happen. No, this was worse than anything that happened in Wedding Crashers. Now there'd be a debate of whether Wedding Crashers is rape. <laughs> uh, who? The the woman raping him? No, because like you're lying about who you are to like, it's all false credit. I promise you there would be some type of debate about that. For sure. Uh, yeah. You're right. But I don't know if it can, if it can top, top gun here. But anyway, uh, we're not, we're gonna spend less time on this. So the, we're gonna do a draft. It's gonna be snake. So we're gonna do the, the ping pong ball thing again that we did before and see who goes first, but we're gonna do a snake draft because there's only two picks and we made it two picks, two rounds because it went way too long last time. I, I like talking movies with you and we, we start to talk about something like I had to get my Vincent Hanna takes from heat off my chest because I just saw heat and we ended up going really long. So we're gonna go shorter this week. Wade nominated stepbrothers. Now I'm assuming he did that just because he loves stepbrothers and he wasn't listening to the rules or the idea of what we're trying to do with this draft. But do you think stepbrothers would even be worthy of consideration? And would you consider even picking it? It's tough because I think the goal is for the movie not to be aware of what we're talking about. Whereas like, I feel like stepbrothers is kind of aware that this movie is miserable for like the other characters. True. Um, I, I dismissed, I don't think it, is applicable to this idea. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem to fit what we're doing. It's I love the movie, but I don't think you could rework that. You don't, don't want anything where like a character is expressing that like they're not experiencing a comedy, they're experiencing a horror movie. You want like something that like 
seems to have like a happy-go-lucky tone or not happy-go-lucky but just like comedic tone all the way through but you realize how yeah that that from another character's point of view there's no way it would be that case so we're gonna do that which i'm looking forward to and then um we're gonna do the obligatory mlb nonsense bullshit so a spicy take or two on that i have i have a spicy-ish take maybe not we'll see according well you'll judge it um the mlb season how it might go down um I'm not exaggerating here. Uh, they they look like they're really, literally shooting themselves in the foot. I wouldn't be surprised if so. One of the owners or one of the players in this boardroom were negotiating, and meanwhile, sh- sh- shooting themselves in the own foot because, or cutting off their nose to spite their face. It could be literally happening because I don't see how any logical person could let this baseball season not happen if there's a chance that it could happen. It just seems insane to me that these other leagues are getting going. Bundesliga, Premier League, uh, Japan, Taiwan, like everyone can find a way to do it except us. Um, even NHL, even sports in our own country are starting to happen. And it doesn't make any sense that baseball is the one happening now. Um, we're figuring it out, but baseball that? sports yeah. that weren't supposed to be happening now are figuring it out. But baseball, which is at least lined up with when it was supposed to be happening anyways, can't figure it out. So. The, the obligatory bullshit baseball talk. We have to do that. And we're, it, we're not going to spend too much time on it because it's it's everywhere on Twitter and your local news. So if you're 65 years old and you watch the local news, you know what I'm talking about. It is everywhere and you you all know the facts, but we're just going to – I'm just going to hear what Dustin has to say about it and then give my spicy take so Dustin can shit on it. Uh, before that though, our sponsor, Dustin, are you familiar with our sponsor, betonline.ag? I, I think I am. I think I, 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 I'm kind of in the market because because uh, Bovado is out now for me. So oh. have to look at that. We'll, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah. Uh, Bet online. While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have some fun betting with our partner, BetOnline.ag. There's no NBA, painfully aware. No NHL, although coming back soon. No MLB. MLB. Uh, that one's looking a little more serious, <laughs> but don't worry. Bet online sells hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on NASCAR. I'm not sure if that's like, is that just the virtual NASCAR? Is that what they're doing? No, they Madden. did. A, I think they did a real NASCAR thing. Oh, I, I'm not a NASCAR guy. Madden NBA 2K Madden. simulations. This is the world we're, we're betting on NBA 2K simulations, UFC, uh, online casino with poker and blackjack. And then don't forget about uh, Korean baseball, which is they're, they're airing it on ESPN. If I can watch it, I'm going to probably bet on it, and I have, and I've lost. Be sure to check out the final dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan doc in full. And it really is the Michael Jordan doc. Have we stopped calling it the 98 Bulls doc or the last, the Bulls? It's the Jordan doc. Everything's about Jordan. Um, Even though Scottie Pippen, I think, is really overreacting. We'll we'll get into that for just a second, I guess, but. Uh, what is what is Scotty mad about? I think Scotty was portrayed fine. I'd be happy if I was Scotty. I found their relationship weird for a long time because it's like you want to think that they're they're not enemies at all, like Kobe and Jack. They're supposed to be friends and really appreciative of each other, but they just do shit sometimes. It makes you feel like they're not. They don't seem to like really be day to day part of each other's life at all. That seems uh, so strange. Pippen was really quick to say LeBron's better, which was like very odd. <laughs> like, don't worry, up. we have we have Paul Pierce to balance that out. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, I just thought, I kind of thought, like, 
I think Pippin's issue was like every storyline that was only his was pretty shitty. But when like he also did those things. <laughs> I know that's what I was saying to Wade. The, the the episode that he refused to go into the game. It, we all like. Well, I didn't see it, but everyone who was around at that time saw it, and it's not news. Like we that was already common knowledge. At the end of the day, it's like he he still comes off like he come he guts out game six. Yeah. And like he's like he comes off well. It's just like I I do think that it's weird like. Nobody else seems to think this is as weird as I do, but like Jordan refers to him as Pippin, like as if he's a coach, but like it's his pure. I thought like even that's weird. Like they, their relationship does weird me out, and I think there's a lot of tension there. But uh, it's just funny to me that so many people took part in it knowing he had final cut and expected anybody, anything else, especially Horace Grant, who yeah. knew that MJ thinks he's the one that did it all. <laughs> and, uh, he, and honestly, he probably was too. The be- I, I think the best thing I've heard, the most consistent, logical thing I've heard, it's not that he isn't the one. It's that there just can't be only one. There clearly were more people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like half the clubhouse probably was. Exactly, yeah. Um, so that's betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. I'm recording. I didn't watch the first episode of Lance yet, but... Lance is already rubbing me the wrong way just because the ads for it, this 30 for 30 on Lance Armstrong. I know. Uh, ep- episode one was on uh, Sunday or last Sunday, I think. And episode two is going to be this Sunday. They're really long episodes or like two hours. But Lance already bugging me in his little teaser commercials for it because I don't want to see Lance smiling and smirking about anything in this teaser because he was such a piece of shit the whole, <laughs> his whole career. Um, not just lying about what he did. I don't think we cared that he was doing, you know, blood doping because that's what the sport does. It's like, uh, like professional, professional wrestling. Yeah. No one's gonna be upset about that. It's just his, his like vileness towards the people who were accusing him. Um, he was pretty unforgivable, all the stuff he did. And so I don't want to see his little, he he had one little smirk in the commercial and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to hate you. I'll watch the first episode, but I'm ready to hate you now. It's funny. So I totally agree. I'm not gonna watch it. I just don't like him. <laughs> Does anyone like him now? Like, no. I just don't like him, and I don't think like hearing the extent to his of his wrongdoing slash the extent to which like maybe he's like kind of sympathetic just because like not the whole. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is that the, the the ratings were pretty bad, and I read an article that I really or I wasn't people hate him. I'm not surprised. I really really agreed with which is like espn promoted it like they thought docs were the new thing but like what's pretty clear is like what people like so much about the jordan thing is it was like a purely positive nostalgic doc and like and all these docs are coming up on the next run which most documentaries are are inherently negative people aren't that clamoring for that like because it's not it, it you don't like if anything it's reinforcing that something that used to be nostalgic is tainted well, the OJ doc did really well. The ESPN. That's different because OJ actually like that transcended into like if the OJ doc, he's just like one of the most fascinating people. It's like it's more murder mystery, which is what today's they, culture is super. They had so much new stuff. Like like I thought he just like was a pretty normal guy who then snapped and like the extent to which he had been a fucking maniac for his whole life was like amazing. I had no idea he lived such an insane life. I think such is this crazy. is this crazy? Do people hate Lance Armstrong more than OJ Simpson? Kind of. <laughs> I, I think I mean, they do. It's like the Ryan Braun thing too. Is like Ryan yes. Braun. Yeah. Ryan Braun. It's that he he went after and he really kind of like he used anti-Semitism to try to go after the guy and like yeah. 
is always what goes worse. Is like if you try to ruin somebody else's when you know you're in the somebody else's life when you know you're in the wrong. That's when you really get in a bad area. And you've got to be mad because he ruined playing the the Jew card, which is a valuable card to hold in your back pocket when well, you really need it. If anything, he did the opposite. He kind of yeah, he, he ruined it for you. You can't use that anymore. No, I don't think he had that big an effect. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get back to baseball here. So, just for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. The good news, Japan is starting June 19th with no fans. So that's another baseball thing for me to bet on. I think I'd, I know slightly more about Korean baseball, and that's not much, but I, it's, I'm more familiar with it because, I used, as you know, I used to live in Korea. And... Uh, I'd like betting on that more, but adding Japan is just another thing to bet on, which is fun. Um, minor league baseball teams are starting to cut their players, which is something I saw today. Like the Oakland A's said that, well, first of all, they missed rent and then they said they're not going to pay their players, which isn't a surprise. If you can't pay your rent, I guess you're not paying your employees, but not releasing them also. So I'm really confused by what that means. And your brother's a lawyer and famous hot taker. Have you talked to him at all about what the <laughs> hell the A's are doing? Uh, I, we, we kind of just traded uh, just outrage over what they're doing. Have you seen the money on how little money they're saving with the minors and also how much they limited the amateur draft? Well, that well, yeah, the draft, once you get past the first few rounds, like the guys aren't signing for that much money. What's well, pretty clear, and this is like this is where it gets into a lot of other issues, is like they were head, we were headed for lockout anyways. This was going to be a bad labor negotiation. All of a sudden it's happening right now. And they have no interest in like changing their mind just because of what's going on. They're like, well, we're going to use this to try to reform the league in the image we want. Which is funny because everything that's on the table right now is pretty much a, it's a one year deal. It's co it's common knowledge among the players and the owners. We're doing this for one year, but I guess they don't want to set a precedent. Yeah, the precedent the players don't want to set is that they're accepting the the owners' uh, interpretation of how much money they're making or losing because yeah. they and because the owners aren't opening their books to it and they wouldn't have fucking teams if they were all losing money. Yeah. <laughs> Although it seems like there was a re uh, not a report. What I, what do you call it? Uh, let me pull this thing up real quick. Um. Oh, this is the I guess it is a report. The AP was talking. Uh, got a copy of an email from Scott Boris. That said, the owner's problem right now is a result of the money they borrowed which, when they purchased their franchises, yeah, renovated their stadiums, or developed land around their ballpark. So now they're claiming that they're cash poor. But that's exactly right. That's kind of like this is like the old trick of colleges, too, is like you just spend, spend, spend and put yourself in debt so you can claim to be actually losing money. <laughs> and you want that for these situations where you where people try to make you play fair <laughs> so every year you can just make wild profits and then the one year that's kind of the outlier where something weird happens like a pandemic you're able to claim poor and then save your cash it's, well, it's pretty the other genius thing, the other thing teams always do is like they try to like they try to convince the public that like they're just a normal business either makes money or lose money like and if you remember anytime you remember that like actually the main thing is that they still the value of the team itself just goes up every single year. Yeah. So, exactly. And they, so even when they're quote unquote losing money, often the value of the actual assets going up, it's just so infuriating. I don't blame the players for putting their foot down. I think it was stupid to say they won't cut, take a cut $1 publicly, but I know why they did it because like negotiating, but that just makes them look just as bad. Well, nothing could make them look just as bad because the MLB owners look terrible right now. <laughs> well, it, the, the, the players are in the no win situation. They're going to look bad. If there's no season, it's going to look bad on the players. And I don't think it's going to look well, that bad. Sorry, I got to tell you, I think that there's some damage done already that even if they come back, like that people just don't, 
people just will remember that like they fought over money when we're headed for a global depression. Like there's nothing worse in normal times than billionaires and millionaires fighting over money. That's like what people say every lockout. And yeah. now now they're doing it during a global depression. It's just like the lack of both. I think the players probably understand it more than the owners, but the lack. I mean, the owners are supposed to be smart enough to look out for the or businessmen like to look out for like the long term health of the league and like that they don't understand that like the the or they do understand, but I'm sure they do understand, but like the damage they're flirting with doing to the long term health of the league is just infuriating. I I wish that all all pro sports teams were not privately owned and that they would be like the, the city takes ownership of each team. You can guarantee that the, the teams aren't going to hold the city hostage and try to move. You hold the ownership accountable. So you don't have owners like uh, Daniel Snyder or someone who just everyone hates and you, you can't get rid of them. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, or Dean Spanos and the, the city government dictates who, will be the the general manager, the CEO, or the, and then if you don't like, it's, it's like an election. It's a public office. You elect the guy to the GM position and he gets a term of four years. And if you don't like him, you vote him out. I would love a system like that and make it illegal for teams to be privately owned. I don't think that's ever going to happen though. It will never happen because they'll never, they'll, they'll just slow growth so much because cities can't, cities and states can't spend as much, especially that are, you know, it's just such a bad, bad optics at all times be spending on sports i mean colleges go through this issue all the time uh and but i do think there should be something where like even the other owners can vote somebody out if they've been bad enough i'm surprised it kind of is terrifying we almost got stuck with mccourt luckily he wasn't friends with c-league and wilpon was so the mets fans are still going through this but like how you can just get saddled with a bad owner who just ruins the team for like your a large portion of your life it's kind of wild yeah i can't think of any other kind of business where that happens. Um, so what, what I want to talk about also was what Max Scherzer said, cause this has been the thing that's been all over the news is, um, Scherzer kind of dropping the hammer on everyone's hopes and dreams for the baseball season. He came out and said, I'm not even, why are they even saying this in public? This is why I, I don't like this either. I really don't, but. Um, he says we pre have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based on the current information the union has received. <laughs> Um, this is like the PR war, I guess, although it, <laughs> the, pay, the pay scaling, yeah, the top 1% of baseball players who are making, you know, 20 to $30 million take the biggest cuts, but then the guys at the bottom that are making, you know, league minimum, which is I think $560,000 or, you know, anywhere from one to $5 million are getting about half pay. And so relatively they're, they're not getting hit that hard. It's the, the very top couple percent it's not only the very top though because like if you look at it even the people in the uh even the people in the middle it's like there's a pretty immediate scale to losing a lot of money like i'm looking at the numbers right now somebody who makes 15 million would make four and a half so like that's, yeah or i see it at 4.05 like, yeah i mean i think yeah i mean it's obviously the owners that that whole offer was meant to make the the people who make the play the star players look bad but um I just first thing, the players are kind of right here, which is like they signed a deal regarding yeah. exactly this in March 26. And like this isn't like the situation changed. We were in quarantine. <laughs> and Do you are you ready for my spice take on this? Yeah, yeah, it's time. 
Well, it's I, I just think it's a good idea. I don't know if it, there could be a huge flaw that I'm not saying. So feel free to rein me in at any time. Okay. So the MLB owners will not open the books to show the players their revenue for the season. That's like kind of the, the big problem here. Yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. they want the players to take a massive pay cut on contracts that they already agreed to. Um, but in light of everything happening this year and in just a year, they want to reduce salaries commensurate with team revenue. They don't want to, and there's no bonuses happening. Um, okay. Or maybe there are. Yeah. But they uh, don't want the accountability of what team revenue is. Yeah. <laughs> players think the pay cuts are too drastic and they need proof that the ball clubs are in financial distress, which, which they're not going to get. None of this is new. So what if the players agree to the terms that are on the table right now? They make guaranteed money. They take the health risk, but they make guaranteed money, which is in the millions. I know it's way less than they agreed to, but still, um, they, they, you know, provide for their family this year in an extreme circumstance. And I think the health risk for these guys, I think the science backs up that it's fairly, fairly minimal, um, shortened season, lower salaries, everything's guaranteed. The owners are taking the financial risk. They hope they can make their money this year, but I think they're probably going to end up losing. If the owners make money somehow by the grace of God, then they have an independent accountant verify the the profit and they donate all the profit to COVID-19 relief. Boom. Max Scherzer's checkmated. And tell me why this won't work and why I'm crazy. Because the owners will never have an independent accountant uh, try to go. An arbiter. You can get an arbiter that, I mean, they use arbiters all the time in baseball. People have so many assets that it's impossible to tell. So like, what do you do with somebody? No, not personal assets, not personal assets. No, but it goes goes hand in hand sometimes. Because what do you do with a lot of these guys that own real estate around the stadium? So they're losing money on the team because they're building up the area, but they're making money. They're making a ton of value in the real estate that they're building up. So like, well, how does that build, figure in? I get what you're saying, but I'm, I, I got to restrict it to team revenue somehow. Only team revenue. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, the, the owners will never agree. I mean, Rich, if there's one thing I've kind of learned just like following sports closely and politics, uh, <laughs> dropping in here and there, it's like rich people do not open up their books. No, they're not, they're not going to, they're going to have an arbiter yeah. or an arbitrator. Is it arbiter? arbiter? Anyway. Oh. Verify that they made a profit if they make a profit and it just gets donated to charity. If they somehow break even, why can't because if they lose the arbitration, that ruins their leverage, that ruins their position for the actual next CBA. No, there's no losing the arbitration. The arbiter will come in and just verify that there's profit or not. You don't yeah, but lose if the or win. comes in and says that there is profit, which he probably will say that for some teams there is, then they can't claim that they're losing money every year come the next doing the next CDA. I, I, everything you're saying would be great. I just don't think the I've seen any indication that the owners would do it. Yeah, so the, the owners would rather lose money this year than gamble on breaking even, is what you're saying. They want to make this... Yeah, they don't care about this year. They're trying to reformat the MLB to being like a can't lose proposition where the players are getting so underpaid that sure. that having an MLB team is just a crazy good asset. And where they in like the sports teams do this all the time and like pretty much every lockout, the NFL and NBA are very uh, well, the NFL's never has this issue, but the NBA is um, guilty of this too and then actually succeeded. But like a big concept going into every lockout is that like Essentially, it's to reformat the rules so that every team makes money. But like, in what business is true? <laughs> when, what, what, where does every business have to make money? Well, this is the problem <laughs> that I, I've kind of gotten in uh, internal debates with um, other people about this before. Because you look at a, a, an example like La Liga, um, 
versus the pro the pro sports in the United States. And it, it, not even just La Liga, but well, I guess La Liga is the best example because so many of their teams lose money and they've had to institute policy that, you know, protects the owners from spending too much on players because they get really competitive and they're billionaires and they want to they want to win. So they spend all their money, money they don't have. And things in MLB, um, well, not MLB, but things in um, the United States with sports, we have salary caps and we have a draft and it's all about balancing the play. And if you don't have things like that in your sport, like a draft, for example, um, you lose balance and La Liga, there's two teams that win every year. It's Real Madrid or it's Barcelona. It's because they have the most resources or the most popular teams. It's never going to change. And they're a flawed league. And we don't want to be like La Liga. We want to have a league where everybody theoretically has a chance to win every season. And maybe if it's not this season, they have a plan to win in the next maybe three to five years. You want everybody to either be rebuilding or competing. Yeah. That's like the goal of, I'd say, every sport. You look at a team like Real Betis in Spain, they're they're never going to win. If you're a fan of Real Betis, God help you. Um, you also are probably a fan of Barcelona or Real Madrid, and that's because your team has 0% chance to win. So the MLB union is the strongest union in, or uh, sports union in the world, and they're going to win this no matter what. And if it means having no season, they're going to win. They just, that's how determined they are. And I think the owners need to come up with a better plan because they're not going to break this union. They're the best union in sports. So they're not going to trick them into a salary cap. Um, They've already... Fuck them on cutting minor league players. Not that I think the, the stars even care, though, to be honest. And they're, they're cutting uh, the drafted players down to five rounds. But I don't think they're going to win this all this uh, money haggling with the players. There's just no way. I, I mean, I would hope I agree. Generally, co- owners tend to win lockouts because they just have so much more money that they can they can they can sit and lose money for longer. I just don't think that's as true right now, obviously, because of everything going on. And cause these guys are, this whole situation comes from the fact that these guys are losing money hand over fist right now. Yeah. So I think this is a different lockout situation type situation than we've almost ever seen before. So I think this is probably the most even ground the players have ever been on. Um, but it's I couldn't help, when you were talking is like, it's just funny to me because I, I fully support that our sports are built so that like every team has like this relevance. But except how many of these owners would say that they're like full free market capitalist people? All of them. Yeah. You essentially described is like sports All. socialism. It <laughs> has to be. It, it has yeah. to be. Unfortunately, it's it's slightly unfair to the players. It's funny that like the combination of like what America considers itself oh, as our sports are the most socialist of any sports. <laughs> like, and it works. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I fully support it. It's just only funny when you hear these guys talk about other issues. <laughs> it's it's sad. This is this is the world we live in, where everybody everybody's a free market capitalist till they want help. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good times. Um, so baseball this year or not? What do you think? I think there probably will be because I think both sides just I think especially the owner side or actually and and the MLBPA, which is much, such a well run union compared to other unions, they just know what happened. They know the fallout of '94. I'm sure they even have data on it. I think it's going to be really contentious. I think they're probably going to miss their first deadline. I think there's going to be irreparable damage done reputation wise in comparison to what, how the other sports have handled it. Um, but I think they'll play. Hope so. I think I that to- my worry is that they're going to play a half season and then they're going to have a real lockout <laughs> right after that, which I think is very possible because I uh, think they could get like an emergency agreement here, but that leaves the owners and players actually just as even bigger headliners for the next CBA. 
I'll quote uh, Tyrion Lannister when he was talking to Varys uh, when uh, what's his name? Ro- uh, Robert's brother. Uh, uh, Randy. No, the other one. Stannis. Stannis. There it is. When Stannis Baratheon sailing towards King's Landing, and Varys is like, "Yeah, Daenerys Targaryen, by the way, is in Carth, and she has three dragons." And Tyrion's just like, "God damn it, dude! One pro- <laughs> one war at a time. We'll worry about her later." So that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking about when you were saying that the the lockout for next year. Let's worry about the war right now, and then we'll maybe next year we can worry about um, Daenerys Targaryen. It just feels like that's not the owners are worrying about the next war that they're trying to fight the next war right now. Otherwise, yeah. but yeah. That Stannis like is at the gates, though. Get your shit together. What is happening is because the MLB, unlike other sports, were just headed towards a lockout before this all started. And as a baseball fan, I would just be so happy that baseball gets its shot to be in the spotlight again and get young fans interested. It's, this is a huge chance for them to, yeah, to yeah. regain public interest, and they're losing it every day. That's the irony is that, like, we're just talking about whether or not they have a season. And, like, it's pretty universally agreed that they messed up by not being first back. Because well, they, they, yeah. they, their season already existed and like just everybody knew like oh this is what baseball needed we're like it nothing is we're like no, it won't be boring in comparison to having nothing <laughs> they'll get it's their chance to get fans back and instead they're going to be last back over sports that aren't even supposed to be playing in the summer <laughs> like it's just wild it's sad yeah i'm so not a, uh, I, I don't know if you can hear but it's my voice but uh and this goes back to the astros issue <laughs> i am not a fan of manfred Oh, man, like, man, time, man, I don't know where he is helping smooth this out, but it's not it's not happening. That's for sure. He's no Adam Silver. No, I just like I don't know. I don't know what to blame him for, but I just know that there's clearly no <laughs> he's clearly not helping. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing or what he, what he did wrong, but it's his fault. He sucks. At best, what he did is nothing, which isn't enough. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was my final point on it. <laughs> Let's that, that was good stuff. Let's get to the movie draft because that's um, I don't know kind of the main reason why you're here, I guess. So the movie draft, there were some really easy ones right off the, the bat here that I did not. I think we're not included. We talked a little bit um, off air about this. We don't want to include anything that falls into the dark humor category. So movies that can be changed from a comedy to a, a horror slash thriller. I'm not including things like in Bruges, which I'm a huge fan of, but it would be it doesn't make sense for this. Beetlejuice, I looked at really briefly, but that's too easy. Shaun of the Dead, even. yeah, horror. Con- yeah. Did you have any others that you were looking through or considering? Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's, a, that's. And I thought it was the same thing. It's just like it's so obviously an action comedy, and like it is an action movie for people that aren't the characters. That like I don't think it can count. Zombieland for another one. Yeah, yeah, it's another one. Yeah. Uh, I pitched you Groundhog Day. I'm going to spoil this. I did not choose Groundhog Day, but you didn't like it. When it's we were, not that we I didn't like it. It's that it's like generally already credited with holding these like. Kind of, yeah, people tend to think like it. That it's like a really smart movie and like does like kind of like deal with the. Yeah, but there's no thriller nature to it at all or creepiness to it. It's not it's thriller, a, but existential. I would say it's existential. It's yeah. It's creative. It's it's funny, but above all, it's funny. Yeah. But I don't I don't see a problem with uh, throwing it into this category here as a thing you could change drastically into like a movie like one hour photo where the guy's stalking this family the whole movie he's stalking yeah, uh, this girl. Uh, it for sure counts it's definitely yeah you can okay. definitely change it and it's not a comedy or like there's a, been a billion times a billion of these movies made that aren't comedies 
True. All right. So Dustin, let's do this draft. You're going to, I'm going to hold a ping pong ball in my hand. It's either pink or yellow. And you just have to trust me here. Which color ping pong ball do I have? Uh, yellow. It is yellow. Dustin, All right. so you're, you're going to pick first. I'll pick second. Then you can pick third. I'll pick fourth and we'll go over some honorable mentions. Cause I have a few honorable mentions that I wanted to talk about. Um, and my sleeper pick, which I, I didn't include in my top, in my, my top two here, but my sleeper pick isn't really a comedy, but I think you'll, you'll like it. Cool. So, exactly. All right. You go ahead. Number one. My number one, we talked about a little when we were, uh, when we were conceiving this idea, but okay, number one is the hangover from Doug's perspective. Oh, the first hangover. <laughs> yes. The first hangover. So if you shift this movie to being to it all being from Doug's perspective, suddenly this is like an indie kind of existential <laughs> movie about being slowly dying on the roof of a hotel and having there no- other <laughs> flashbacks to like the night. Like, how do you mix it up and make this more interesting? I think you don't flashback because I think that the idea would be to like, he's stuck. And also he doesn't, well, he wasn't part of the night really. <laughs> yeah, he was. And they just oh, left like him on the right, roof. Right. He, was, he was, he was. Yeah. Maybe like, I think you'd have to then go like, it becomes like a indie movie concept where it's like left dying on the top of the roof. He's left to like consider his mistakes. <laughs> so it's cast away on a Vegas hotel roof. Yeah, exactly. It's like such a, hor- it's such a horrifying situation. If you just actually stay with him, <laughs> like maybe, maybe he thinks about killing himself. It's a, how long is he up there? Like two days, maybe three He's up there for so long. He's probably had like a heat stroke. <laughs> he, uh, he's probably considered like in delirium, like jump. If would he live, if he jumped off, <laughs> it's like, I bet I can hit that tarp on the 34th floor and roll yeah. off onto the balcony. Yeah. Or like, and, uh, he is dying. It seems like at the end when they get him, <laughs> Like, can you imagine being that hungover and dehydrated and waking up on yeah, a hot, sunny roof? Dehydrated. That's another thing. That's a good point. He, he's got no water. He's got no shade. That's It could kill you pretty quickly. He starts in a state of feeling like those things, and then he actually endures them in addition. <laughs> um, I don't, should we make this movie right now? I bet we could. You're a writer. We could pump this out. I think we should just make it with Doug and call it the Hank. <laughs> Like the other side. <laughs> no, just call it Doug. I like that. Oh, Doug. <laughs> yeah, sued by Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, is statute of limitations up on that? Can we use that? I don't know. I don't think that's what the statute of limitations <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with statute of limitations. Or that what's it? What's it called when you get the the rights to a name or like a, a song? Like that's well, I don't know about the, a name. A, a, God, now I just freaking forgot it. Public domain. Yeah, that's the one. It's definitely not old enough to fall into that category. Names, I think there's the you, you, names you can use again. There's tons of things with the same name. Doug. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Doug could work. Yeah. All right. So my pick, I, I like your hangover pick. I don't know if it's worthy of going number one overall, but I think it's a solid pick. It's going, just, what? Yeah, go on. <laughs> going yeah, uh, number two overall, I've got Zoolander. So, All right, so go on on this. This one. is uh, from the perspective of Mugatu, who we're going to have to tone down a little bit on the flamboyance uh, for this movie. He's going to be the main character, fashion designer that's part of the dark underbelly uh, world of politicians and wealthy influencers who plan assassinations of world leaders to further their own uh, financial gain. He kidnaps and brainwashes one of the most famous models on the planet, trains him to murder the prime minister of Malaysia or the, the prime what was it, the prime rib of Propecia? Uh, and only to be discovered at the last minute 
and arrested on the catwalk of the event where the murder is about to happen. So it's kind of it's kind of like a like seven. It's more thriller than horror, but it's a uh, you know Brad, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman seven where it's um, it, I, the same terrible. tone the same tone yeah. of that movie. Not not the same like plot, but the same tone where it's more mystery um, and more uh, yeah thriller than horror. But do you think that could work? Yeah, I mean it's just it. Uh, I don't think it'd be what i don't think it'd be great <laughs> but i think it, it definitely uh the applies. bones are there and have to you have to change the aesthetics quite a bit and the yeah. writing um and you'd have to make mugatu less of a whatever he is but <laughs> the story the story is there to make it um this like action thriller uh mystery kind of movie i think it'd I, work I, I agree yeah i could sure. i could rewrite that pretty easily i think yeah. So, uh, your your second pick, number three overall. What is it? Um, this is another one we. I can I don't know how this applies to our rule. It's but I think Toy Story from <laughs> from the perspective of the humans, and this actually goes for a lot of Pixar's movies. Just the original <laughs> Toy Story. Yes, to finding out your your toys are alive and watching you, and pretend to not be alive by just being. St- still for however long it takes while you're around would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> that, I mean, Toy Story has a whole bunch of issues going on with the, the physics and the, the realism in their movies with the toys. Like when does a toy become sentient? Do they feel pain? And, uh, you, we, I think you'd mentioned this last week, right? This is one of the ones you were teasing with me and we would tell it from the perspective, perspective of Sid, right? Yeah. You'd have and to be. You'd, you'd Sid's the only one in the movie that like tortured boy. Like they almost have to have like a relation, like a Chucky type situation. Going, like <laughs> the thing, yeah. Do, so do they? Do you change things where like they actually do murder someone? No, I don't think if you need to. I think that you just be like. I think you you could just be bad enough with like feeling like you're getting gaslighted. Like you every like eventually you go to an insane asylum as nobody else believes you. So it's a it's an hour long gaslight, and then at the last ten minutes, the toys actually come to life and freak out Sid. So like, there's not a lot going on in this movie, to be honest. Well, it'd be like, and then it'd be like Sid getting his like redemption, but like, well, <laughs> Sid be- legit goes insane. Though. Like Woody talks to him and spins his head around, and the toys like are rising out of the mud. Like there's some there's some good stuff there, but it's all in the last ten minutes of this movie. It's true. No, you okay? You change the structure for sure. So he knows what, he he sees them earlier, but then he got to like, tease nobody more. Else, nobody, else yeah. believe, nobody else will believe him. Like that would be like the core of it is like essentially being in the situation where to tell anybody what you what is driving you crazy would people would think you're crazy, and essentially your life just falls apart from there. So life could be terrible for Sid. <laughs> I was also I was also watching Constantine today, and I was talking to you about that. Yeah, you was were. That yes- was that yesterday? Was it today? What day? I don't even. Started down now. So I was watching Constantine and Top Gun today. <laughs> That's my day, and planning for this podcast. Uh, where was I going with that? So yeah, this, the main character Rachel is a, is a psychic, and she has a twin sister. And when they were kids, the twin sister can see like demons and shit, and is freaking out. And ra- the the other sister like calls her sister a liar. So like you have the same kind of thing where Sid is seeing toys come to life and no one believes him. And then eventually uh, Rachel Weiss is the, is the character and her sister commit suicide because they sent her to an insane asylum. You could get really dark with the Sid character who sees stuff and no one believes him and they could send him to a sanitarium, like you were saying, and who knows what could happen after that. Can Constantine be a comedy? That's the question. 
<laughs> um, yes. It would have to be like Men in Black style almost. Yeah, the devil at the end. I don't, you don't remember much of the movie, but the devil for sure has it dialed way up to 11. He's going for some kind of Academy Award. Just really going after it. So, yeah, there's there's definitely parts that you can make comedic. That guy. I don't know. I like that oh, no, Walter. One thing. All right, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be pretty terrifying. <laughs> so you've got... Uh, Toy Story, and I already forgot your first pick. Hangover. Hangover. The Hangover. The Hangover. (laughs) All right, my second pick, last pick of the draft, and we'll go over some honorable mentions because you had to leave out a lot. But these go long. When you talk about movies, like, you know, each movie deserves a little time to talk about. So, yeah. Anyway, my last pick here is Office Space. So go on. I'm curious which which (laughs) perspective you're taking here. So obviously it's Milton. Um, I don't think I need to say much more than it's from yeah, that's like, fair. Yeah. Of Milton. So he's continuously verbally and mentally abused at his dead end job throughout the whole movie. He's forced to work in a basement at one point. He's stripped of all his dignity, gets fired, but isn't told. So they just stop paying him. He doesn't get any fucking birthday cake at, when there's a party from his co for his coworkers. Uh, one of his coworkers suffers an accident. I'm putting that in quotes. Like you could infer that in different ways. After he has a failed suicide attempt in his garage, and then he's hit by a car coming out of his driveway, and now he's in a wheelchair, Milton decides he's going to burn down the whole office building with everyone in it, and boom, that's a hell of a thriller. Yeah, uh, that is all there, pretty much. <laughs> you're, you're impressed with that pick. Yeah, and I will say that like, I don't think I realized at the time, because it was the 90s and nobody realized these things, but like, <laughs> How on how crazy that storyline is that there's this guy who's just mentally ill. Everybody's just giving him shit the whole movie. <laughs> He's like like muttering under his breath, "I'm going to burn the fucking building down." Like they do a, a, just a like, bit also, on South Park about he's that. Not, like he's not like some annoying guy. He's like clearly like you know not not playing with a full deck. It's just like depressed or bipolar or something. But I think that was also probably a lot of workspaces before <laughs> before a certain time. And it potentially still is. Working yeah. in a cubicle all day. Yeah, so, some place want to say that way. I've got Zoolander and Office Space. You've got The Hangover and God oh, damn it, what was the second? Toy Story. So, uh, who had the better lineup? I think it's me, obviously. Clearly, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna disagree this time. I oh, think that good pick. I think Zoolander was like it's a little tough because it's such a, a stretch, so surreal tone, such a surreal tone that it's like. It's tough. I think action movies are well. I don't even know what to call that movie. Like a spy movie. <laughs> comedy, yeah, comedy spy. I guess. Yeah. That yeah. Makes I think Office Space is a, was a great pick, but I, that one's a little more like you just have to do a lot of work. You have to change almost everything aesthetically about the movie. Right, uh, you want to? Well, let's hear some of my honorable mentions and see if you like one better. Okay. I'll run through. I'll run through my list real quick, and then we can go through if you have any. So this one is a, is a stretch too, but I just wanted to include it because I like it so much, and I like the challenge of making it would be galaxy quest. So the aliens that arrive on earth, have you, have you seen galaxy quest? Yeah. I love galaxy quest. I'm so, wondering if it's, yeah. So the that- aliens that arrive on earth mention how their entire civilization has, has been the victim of genocide by these other aliens. Yeah. That is kind <laughs> of casually mentioned. Yeah. They just kind of gloss over how they, their whole race has been extinguished, extinguished and it's pretty, pretty messed up. And it kind of concludes with this battle. So like, it's more of like, I guess a war movie than a horror movie, but you could 
I think focus more on the aliens and turn it into like kind of like a hotel Rwanda for aliens. <laughs> God. Is that, too, is that too much? That last description got me. You didn't have so much until the last part. <laughs> Jesus. I felt a little sick saying that. That was my Louis C.K. like hotel what, baby. Like <laughs> it's just like why? <laughs> um I've also got School of Rock. All right, so, so go. I'm curious what your take would be on that one. So the the teacher who lies about his credentials to get close to all these kids and like is taking them after school on these random like trips and doing things that aren't school related and lying about every aspect of his life. Um, and you're hearing about it from the the maybe the the te- the not the teacher's perspective, but um the parents' perspective, where like this creep possible pedophile has abducted all of your children kind of movie. So it's like a ransom Mel Gibson type movie. Yeah, I, I see it. You have to go different directions in the second half, but yeah. 40-year-old virgin? From well, there's the... a lot of movies. Okay, so I'll say there's a lot of movies. We kind of talked about Wedding Crashers a little bit earlier. There's a lot of movies where, like, the object, it's about guys getting girls, where yes. it's very easily made this from the girl perspective. So 40-year-old <laughs> virgin, like, falls into this category pretty easily. And then the other one is, that I have, like, in the same mold is Dumb and Dumber. Same thing. For sure. Even Superbad, which I love and is an all-timer, is like from the girls – if two girls that they're not dating find out that this, these guys have spent the whole day trying to get alcohol so that they can get them drunk and hook up with them is pretty fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they do deal with that a little bit in the movie. They sh- they could have spent more time on that for sure. But they, yeah, but they do – they acknowledge that like, these guys – have life wrong. <laughs> and then they fall for him at the end because it's a typical movie where like the two geeky guys end up getting the two hot girls at the end. Yeah, that's true. It's unfortunate. That didn't work for me in real life. I w- one one honorable mention should be, or just just we should mention that this whole idea came about because somebody there somebody tweeted, uh, and I don't have it up to give them credit, but I just want to let them know we're not ripping off their idea if they listen to this podcast, which I'm, we should be fine, but. <laughs> Uh, but uh but um that mrs doubtfire <laughs> that a lot of people get upset at the mom and mrs doubtfire for not noticing that the maid is her old husband but if you really have to be careful about making that accusation because <laughs> there's no coming back from that one <laughs> yeah it's like oh, that elderly <laughs> british nanny that i hired kind of looks like my husband or my ex-husband yeah, if you make that observation, you're wrong. You your whole life goes away. <laughs> you're like you're shamed. You're maybe like people wonder if you need mental help. You're like, like, I don't know if it was your kids. People think I, you haven't seen that. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But I think she questions. People start to question her a little bit in that movie. Her her she questions yeah. her own reality quite a bit. Okay, yeah, but like that. I, so, but that was a funny tweet. That was kind of like the basis of this idea. Because <laughs> that's. <laughs> Which is like Robin, Robin Williams doesn't get enough credit for the range he has as an a, or had as an actor. He was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing. He was. Who else he, can do Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, What Dreams May Come, and uh, that movie with Matt Damon and that Goodwill Hunting? Who else can do all of those movies? Yeah, he was awesome. And he, I, I just recently, actually, like a year ago, I went, I went and back and read about his death, and it's a lot different than like the public. The public interpretation of his death was that he's been depressed his whole life and then just finally pulled the trigger. And that was not the case. Like he had like aggressive, like he has dealt in and out with depression, but like a lot of people do, but he had aggressive like Parkinson's and dementia and was oh, like Jesus. losing his mind. So it kind of sucks. Like 
the reputation of what his death was just people attached now to like the red what is who he always was and it sucks because it's not the it's not the case i'm a big fan robin williams yeah, love that guy. Awesome. yeah the stand up stand up wasn't really for me but i loved him as an actor yeah and i think like you hear i'm always i'm always i always love sometimes i'll like this just as much as like the thing itself but i love the people who the who even the other people in that field geek out on and when you hear other comedians talk about robin williams they were like we can't touch this guy. <laughs> like he's just yeah. like a force of nature. They like. My, my, I remember David Letterman saying like he found his, that Robin Williams helped him find his whole like calm, like sarcastic, uh, sardonic like kind of persona because he would he saw Robin Williams at a comedy club and he's like that guy's so much better <laughs> at all every type of comedy he's doing than I'm ever going to be that I just need to be nothing like him. Yeah, and I think yeah. he was uh, the Vincent Hanna doing just a ton of cocaine before every set, like which gave him all that energy. There's no other explanation for that. Well, he also had a coke problem for a while. But... Yeah, yeah, big surprise. <laughs> uh, the least, the least surprising coke problem on the planet award he has a, goes he has to a great Robin quote. Williams. He has a great quote that coke is God's way of telling you you have too much money. <laughs> That's a phenomenal quote. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> My last sleep, my last sleeper pick here isn't really a comedy, but it can be inferred or construed or is a comedy. It's Draft Day, starring Kevin Costner. I was just listening to this rewatchable, so go on. <laughs> and it's told from the perspective of a Cleveland Browns fan who has to live yeah. through the entire day watching their general manager trade away all their first round picks <laughs> for a, one player and then trading them all back and drafting a, a linebacker with the number one overall pick that you could have had at number seven. And then drafting a running back in the top 10 um, is life as a Cleveland Browns fan. I thought this could have been a hilarious comedy or just a horror film for a Cleveland Browns fan. Or just real life. I mean, that's like it's not <laughs> what their experience is. You know, last year they're finally like hyped up and then they keep a guy who like some people I consistently hear like people and like football writers and stuff say like, most of the time when a coach is not well like thought of, it's like you, he still knows more about football than you've ever known. It's like Freddie Kitchens is like one of the few people. people it's like that guy has no idea what he's Freddie doing. Kitchens is the guy at the bar playing the pinball machine who's exactly. like spewing hot takes with two beers and like, yeah, they, sh they should have drafted that wide receiver from Louisville. Like that guy, fourth, like he has no, no idea what he's talking about. The fourth and nine draw was like an all time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so like it was just like last year was just like oh so much hype, and then they just make the worst coaching decision ever. <laughs> I, I, would Dennis Leary be a better head coach than Freddie Kitchens? Probably, and like the irony is that like the truth is Freddie Kitchens succeeded in a half season year before because he just well as an OC anyways because he yeah. wasn't Hugh Jackson that they got the classic like we the witch is dead. Uh, boost where like the terrible coach goes and they just win because everybody's like free yeah. and they use that to read too much into it and hire another terrible coach. That is a terrible franchise. Lock them up. Pretty <laughs> kitchens. Lock them up. Lock them up. And, that, and because of that, because of one terrible decision that kind of, and that kind of made the season go sideways, they fired the GM that was like universally recognized as at least getting them back to like general talent level. It's just like, they're such a mess. Do you have any honorable mentions before you get out of here? I think that's pretty much everything. I mean, like almost every comedy, if you do this enough, if you work hard enough, can you can do this. But like those are the ones that like <laughs> there's just like a whole nother genre in there. <laughs> there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of them where it's like 
it's true, but it's almost part of the concept. Like we talked about Ghostbusters, but like it's oh, an action yeah. movie. So the idea that it's an action movie, if you take away the comedy, is like it's already present in the movie. Could you do it with uh, Tropic Thunder? As the director who gets his head blown off? <laughs> <laughs> just just from his perspective? Um, I, I, that's funny you said that because I just was talking about how great that movie is. But I don't know who's, whose perspective would it be? I mean, would it be just that, like the real oh, life person where all these guys die? <laughs> oh, yeah. One of, the Viet- no, one of the Vietnamese guys? I guess you don't need to – or no, you just don't need to change the, the- panda? Except you just need to change the outcome. It's a it's an it's like a tragedy, and all these guys die. <laughs> yeah, ass died. That would, but yeah, there's something there. Okay. <laughs> I was just throwing out a, mo- a comedy that I really like, and I just yeah, that movie's amazing. Oh, I wanted to run this by you before we go too, just real quickly. So I was looking through list just lists of comedies to get ideas here, and I ran into Rotten Tomatoes 150 essential comedies list. Uh-huh. Do, do, do you have any idea what might be number one? I think I skimmed skimmed this list for the same purpose, but no, I don't remember. It's City Lights, nineteen thirty one, with Charlie Chaplin. Get the hell out of here! Get off your high horse, Rotten Tomatoes. That's like so inevitable that they would do that. Number two is a movie I've actually seen and really like. It's Airplane. One of my favorites of all time. Hey, don't look this up. You're not. This is not the point of this this discussion right now. It's funny though. I just talked about Airplane with uh, I think it was with my my mom, my brother, but we were talking about how airplane last because it never it was just hilarious but it wasn't like supposed to be like pushing the edge of like our new r-rated comedies is like the movies that last from like previous eras are the movies that didn't rely on pushing the envelope because eventually the envelope is far pushed but like uh, that movie that. holds up really well by the way, don't you think? Can hold because that's not what it's relying on it's just relying on being hilarious yeah it's just like kind of yeah. back to like just original hardcore like kind of slapsticky comedy that just holds up really well if you do it right. Yeah, there's just so many amazing bits. The 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 co-pilot is like I still think the <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the two it. the two black guys <laughs> talking jive gets me every time too. There's so many parts. The the uh, the back the woman on the PA, the the two people, the woman and the man having an argument over the PA outside the airport. <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> I didn't rewatch the movie. That's, that's, I think that's a hall of fame, like top I, 10 comedy for me. That, that, that might be my vote for best comedy ever. Just so good. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. Um, what was I, I was just watching something recently. God damn it. What was I watching? It's like an older comedy like that, that I think holds up really well. It might've been groundhog day. Groundhog day holds up. Amazing. Comedy. He, that's a top tenner for me. Also yeah. hall of fame. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, So number three, I want to just run through it. Number three was Monty Python, Holy Grail. Number four was a 1959 movie with Marilyn Monroe. Some like it hot. My dad likes that movie. So that's number five was a Clark Gable movie. And then number six was like the first movie that we kind of grew up with. And it was Big Lebowski. Do you think Big Lebowski deserves to be the top movie kind of from our generation? And number six overall, I thought I'm not a Big Lebowski guy at all. I didn't think it it should be this high. I, I do like the Big Lebowski. I don't think – I think that that makes sense on that list because it's just like – it's still a Coen Brothers movie. So it's made like a movie – like it's just it's just got better filmmaking and stuff like that than a lot of movies. And it's so, it's so kind of like weird and nuanced. But no, I don't think it's the funniest movie of our lifetime or anything like that. No, I don't think it's even close. But so, I was like comedies – I just – like it's interesting. Half the comedies I feel like just do not last. 
That's kind of yeah. That's the problem with comedy. But that's not a bad thing either, though. You you can still have fond memories of it. You can enjoy it in the moment. Like super bad, right. you mentioned earlier. I don't ever need to watch again. Yeah, I don't need to ever watch it again, but I really liked it at the time and I've seen it probably two or three times since then. And but it's just not going to be a Hall of Famer. It was a good movie. It made money. Um, it's just not every everything holds up and it's in comedy. It's kind of impossible to know what's going to hold up and what's not. And it's kind of funny when you look back when you were young, you'll like like two movies and one of them will be like, oh, that's just because I was young. It doesn't, it's not even good now when I watch it. And the other will be like that movie was actually genius and you won't have known the difference at the time. You know what's become one of my favorite movies, and I only got to it really late in life. It's an older movie for us, and it's not that old, but it's it's become one of my favorite movies, and it's a movie I would bring to me on the desert, on the desert island, Roadhouse. It's become one of my favorite movies. I mean, yeah, we 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 had a we watched Roadhouse recently. I love big, Roadhouse. It just it's it it really is Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, <laughs> It's funny because like a movie from that time, usually you have to grow up with it to have some kind of connection to it. And they don't age well. If, you, if you've never seen it before and you, you're 30 years old and you're watching a movie from the 80s for the first time, it's, it usually doesn't end well. But like for some reason, that movie connects with me on a, on a deep movie, Yeah, I think that movie is almost like this opposite thing where it's just like how over the top, but yet totally sincere it is. Is it self-aware at all? I don't think so. <laughs> you see movies that come around every once in a while that are trying to self-consciously capture that, and they always suck. You can't do it. It's better that it doesn't know. No, it has to be that it doesn't know. There's nothing yeah. worse than a movie self-consciously trying to capture well, air, airplane self-consciously. Really, it, no, yeah, you're using the, actual, airplanes. Yeah. Like movies are like I don't know. It's just like you can't do it on purpose. <laughs> Except the movie we just airplane we just talked about airplane. You, can't. you know, airplane is a full on satire. I mean, airplane slapstick satire. But like, I mean, like, but I'm talking about a movie that like thought it was a drama at the time, but now we know is just insane. Which is Roadhouse. <laughs> Armageddon. I think when they were making Roadhouse. Yeah, I mean Armageddon. I mean, I will. I mean, I will say Steve Buscemi knew exactly what movie. He was. <laughs> like as that movie goes on, every line he says is hilarious. <laughs> Owen Wilson's pretty funny too. I like Owen Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a fair amount of those actors kind of knew, but Ben Affleck definitely didn't. <laughs> nope, no one told Ben Affleck or Liv Tyler. Unfortunately, yeah, no, they were having a very intense romantic drama. Liv Tyler, yeah, Liv Tyler thinks she's winning an Oscar. But Steve Buscemi knows the Russian guy. Definitely knows. <laughs> I love the Russian guy. He's a. Yeah. Uh, he plays uh, Prickly Pete in, the, in an episode of Seinfeld, The Frogger Machine. Yeah, he's, he's in a lot of things. By the way, he's, I think he's the devil in Constantine. Bring it full circle here. He was also like... John kind of Wick? Like a, he was also the a Russian god. guy in John Wick? Yeah, he was in John Wick. He was a god in American Gods. He's been in a lot of things. Is he, is he like your... <laughs> this is an impossible question to answer right now, but is he like your, your favorite random guy who you don't do you, like don't know his name actor that if he shows up in the movie you're like hey i love this guy that guy yeah i mean he's up there i think i do know his name i want to say it's peter stromer that sounds i think it sounds pretty good uh but yeah he's amazing every <laughs> time i see his face i'm just like yes anything this guy i'm well, gonna like self-awareness he like he is oh fargo he's a, he that's why he's like pretty famous he's okay big part of fargo but like he uh he is definitely self-aware he's funny yeah, I mean, he he's Prickly Pete, the Russian like battery that, stealer. Seinfeld. That one uh, John Wick scene he's in, he chews the shit out of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> he owns those three minutes that he's oh on. Oh my god, he goes hard in those three minutes. Keanu Reeves disappears when that man's on screen. Yeah, it is a great three minutes. 
All right. I think uh, I think we're good to go to get out of here now. That went that was still right, went that, pretty long. That was fun. Um, thank you guys for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Firefarmhands. And if you enjoy, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms. The one you're listening to right now, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Please follow our or please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. It's amazing how I can still mess up the read after reading the same thing after you know 40 something podcasts um, i gotta tell you i'm 32 years old and i still despise <laughs> reading out loud i feel like i i feel like i forget how to be a human when i do reading it. out loud in english class when you were in high school had to be the worst experience in the world and once you were self once you realized you were like reading <laughs> loud and kind of being awkward about it you were done <laughs> you've been listening to believe like, in Padres prospects like on the believe podcast network san diego's number one sports podcast network I'm Ryan Hart. That was Dodger Dustin. We'll talk to you all next week. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. Well, I would take the I would take the better odds if I was betting it. So right now I'm saying I guess the better odds would be there is a season. Would that seem accurate to you? Yeah, I, if I could parlay there is a season, but then like there there is also another shortened season soon. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like a killer parlay, which is like <laughs> opposite. You'd think that one missed season, one missed half missed season, would galvanize them to get a full to not do a half locked out season next, but they won't. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.